Hello, everyone. Welcome to another SDGC After Hours for HBO's The Last of Us. Uh, tonight, we're going to be discussing a very popular episode. Uh, I believe it was called Long, Long Time. Uh, joined on the panel, uh, returning is, once again, Justin and Brittany. Hello, everyone. Uh, Hello. Making his debut on The Last of Us series for uh, for our podcast is uh, our producer, Derek. Good evening. Hello, everyone. How is how is everyone tonight? I'm good. I had some good psychology therapy. It's good for the soul. So we'll we'll get into it. Uh, I want to go to Derek first because Derek has not been on this particular podcast yet. Why don't you just start with your? I guess if you want to talk quickly about like what you think of the game. I'm assuming you like it. Um, but what's your thoughts on The Last of Us as a property and in general? What do you think of the show so far? So I really, really enjoy The Last of Us. Um, I, I think I would say I love it. Uh, I'm not as as super crazy about it as a lot of people are, but I greatly enjoyed the original game. I greatly enjoyed and was really looking forward to The Last of Us Part 2 when it came out. It was one of my, it was in my like top games of that year, I guess I would say. Um, and I've been really looking forward to the show because I know that The Last of Us is is really perfect, perfectly primed for a very good adaptation. Uh, and lo and behold, I think we've been correct in that assumption so far. Episodes one and two were very good. Uh, I love the casting. Uh, Pedro Pascal is is excellent as Joel, and uh, it's Bella Ramsey, right? Yep. Is the name of uh, the young actor playing Ellie, and they're incredible. She's so good. Uh, I, I cannot, cannot wait to see, um, how the two of them do in some of the later, more emotionally fraught moments between the two of them. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit so far. No notes. So why don't you kick us off, uh, then with, with this episode, I guess just to set it up, I mean, most people listening, cause everyone knows this is a spoiler cast. You know, we get a little bit with with Joel and Ellie at the start, but largely it's a self-contained standalone episode, um, greatly expanding, enhancing and changing Bill and Frank's backstory. Um, I think the interest, there is a, not a ton. The, the, we've got some good humor and some good bits in the opening again. Uh, it's really starting to establish that dynamic with Ellie and Joel, at least early on. Um, the the little bit of back and forth, the, the barbs that we all, I think, quite enjoy. Um, I like Ellie standing her ground on like Tess is not my fault and you yep. don't get to hold that against me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, know, I loved that. Showing a lot of that fire that made Ellie such a, an, an interesting and likable character, you know, f- as far back as the first game. Uh, the the one, a most interesting thing I thought about the, the opening bit um, was when Ellie encounters the infected in the cellar. I'm, I'm curious what your guys takes on. Uh, I guess the meaning behind that. Uh, she, I mean, I think it's relatively straightforward. She's a fucked up kid. Yeah. You know, there's not a way to read that scene in any way other than she has a curiosity towards violence. It's the same as we saw the way that she was kind of enthralled by the way that Joel could enact such violence on another human being. And she clearly, like, was, like, in that same moment, like, she put it out of its misery, right? But mm-hmm. she took her time. She's curious about it. 
I think that's you know? um that maybe I'm forgetting. I mean, I've played the games quite a few times. I I think the show already maybe is um I don't know if that's necessarily a change, but doing a better job of kind of I feel like in the games at least until part two when it really came out. Um, I don't feel like in the first game there was a ton, like she was a pretty well-adjusted normal girl. Um, I, I don't think, I don't remember a moment like this in the game and I actually, uh, you know, it's both that curiosity and, um, I also thought maybe she knows she's infected, um, and kind of like that, oh, what's going on inside my body, like. Uh, yeah right that relation there is a relationship there always will be between her and the fact because she is actually infected with cordyceps it just doesn't progress um yeah mm -hmm. her body will fight back against the infection and stop it but for sure a bit i think a bit of foreshadowing there as well like you said the the inclination to violence and it makes sense in that world how could you not be a little fucked up growing up yeah yeah i mean mean, we will you go ahead that will also work pretty well for like Especially since, oh, uh, we did have the news earlier in the week that season two is confirmed. Mm -hmm. Um, The show did get renewed, um, unsurprisingly, but it is official. So we are going to be getting, you know, an adaptation of part two. Um, And I think adding some of this stuff will kind of make it flow a little better. Um, Especially from like the, the way that seasons flow of a TV show. Because we're um, also not going to have the years between season one and season two that yeah. we had between mm-hmm. the first and second game, and that obvious pro- it's aging. It's probably going to be two years given HBO's usual yes, schedule. That makes but sense. It's and not I'm sure, <laughs> like Bella Ramsey's 19 now. Yeah, you know, and 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 mm-hmm. you know they're not that young, and you know th- just changing the way that they hold themselves and like makeup and hair yeah. can do a lot to age somebody. So and they filmed it almost two years ago. A lot of it, like she was actually seventeen or eighteen when they filmed it. She'll be twenty. Okay. Um. By the you know by the time they shoot the next one, so yeah. But but yeah. So like, but we're not gonna have the audience the same built-in gap feeling. So, yeah, that'll be a smoother transition, I think, to where this is gonna go down the road. Britt, you've been quiet. What's uh? Do you have any thoughts on that stuff? Um. So my biggest thought was, like, I hope um, there is going to be quite the gap between the first season and the second season, because I really don't want them to just kind of, because, like, th- there's no doubt the show is successful. Um, Sunday Night's episode has been praised as being one of the best episodes of um, TV ever. Um, so, I mean, it's like, this is clearly a hit show and my biggest worry is that it's going to get so big that they're going to game of thrones it and just like start doing their own seasons and shit um, mason has already said that that's not going to happen oh really oh, okay God. The, the showrunner has straight up said he will not make more seasons if there is no more game to it adapt okay perfect oh, that's uh, but that was that was like and, my big yeah big and, and Druckmann seems like he, enough of a little bit of like an asshole and control freak like i don't yeah. think, i imagine they can <laughs> go ahead without his blessing and and naughty dog's blessing as well hbo also lets creators have some of that freedom to make some of those decisions for their shows more so than other networks i know like uh the watchman series from a few years ago was designed as a limited series and it was a big uh critical and commercial success but you know the showrunner's just like i don't have another season written this was the story 
Um, I'm open to maybe coming back to it someday, and HBO is going to let me, but there's not going to be a season two. Um, and then, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm sometimes takes several years <laughs> off and then just comes back when Larry David feels like making a season or something. So, um, yeah, no, the, the official statement was that, you know, season one encompasses all of part one, and they said if they do adapt part two, it will probably be split over two seasons. That's cool. And yeah, I, I agree with Britt. I um, I don't know if this is exactly where you were going, but I think I like the gap, uh, like chronologically in the game. Um, but I also like a lot of the ambiguity, sorry, ambiguity um, and kind of the the game does like part two does fill in some pieces. Uh, but I love that there's still a lot open for interpretation. One of my biggest pet peeves with media, like especially prequels or I, I love when they expand stories in certain ways. But also I, I hate the... Uh, the trend uh where like when we find out how han solo got his name like not yeah. every thing i'm fine <laughs> with things being unexplained and it's it, it's keep some of that mystery ambiguity is good and the last of us is really good about that mm-hmm. like you know as as the show has you know been very very popular and and the series has been back in you know the the general conversation recently it's been funny to see people talk about like you know can't wait till people find out that they're you know bad people for liking joel and it's like you know the last of us is a is a show that is almost Mm -hmm. a rorschach test of like what you're projecting onto it in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because it is very ambiguous and it doesn't really want it wants to play in that gray area so it gets fascinating to see people who think they have definitive takes on (laughs) you know i mean the series is designed to make you feel ambivalent about these characters too. Like yeah. you can love them as characters, but like they have plenty of flaws, but like, yeah, like everything like you're not is supposed messy. to have one definitive emotion associated with like, these characters. Bill, Bill's a fucking great character, but man, he's, <laughs> I mean, you saw yeah. what's in that basement. Like, well, dude's in not that a good way, t- <laughs> this episode does so much better than the game does with the character. Yeah. Right. Because oh, in the game, Bill is just a shitty, bitter, you know, apocalypse, like, survivalist nut. And Frank is nobody. Frank is just a dead body you come across at some point. With um, a really nasty note for, for yeah, Bill. Re- just two shitty, bitter old men at the mm-hmm. edge of the world. You know, there's nothing to them. And this this episode really fleshes out the basic idea behind Bill uh, and, and kind of completely invents Frank in a way, but as characters that really fit that messy but beautiful kind of attitude that The Last of Us tries to take towards its characters. I think, and not only that, I think um, not just invents Frank, but I think it really reverses the role in a lot of ways or or the situation like my interpretation interpretation in the game uh was that frank kind of whatever happened between him and bill or him leaving uh i'm sure bill was already kind of the way he was but i think it just further hardened him and turned him against people um but it, it like seemed to me like it was him and frank that did that to him and in the show it's kind of the opposite we come in to bill you know being the way that he is and Frank's the one who actually gets him to open up and change um, and really embrace life and, and soften and, and allow himself to be vulnerable. It's, it's the exact opposite of what happens in the game. Uh, and it really gives him an arc that didn't exist before. And it's really satisfying. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I I love I love I love I mean I love I love this episode. Like truly and deeply loved this episode. Like that that first scene where it flashes back and it's like all the people getting cleared out of the town uh by Fedra. With, it was so fun. Like it was just a with fun him, with him, you know, he's got like all the screens, he's got a shotgun in his hand. Um, just watching, and then he gets Not today, you jackbooted fucks. I, I definitely <laughs> such a good line. I definitely couldn't help but see a bit of Ron Swanson every time. Uh how can you not? <laughs> like yeah, he makes for the whole sure. depot trip. Uh, oh yeah and he co- goes out the people door people who and buy then... things are idiots <laughs> he goes out the door everybody's gone he's just like yeah, yeah. but like who wouldn't want to do that right yeah yeah um no and uh i mean i guess yeah that that opening section was really great but just in general i thought i don't even know where to start there's so many great moments um in this i love that it was a little i complained Last time that I thought the first, like the pilot episode, was a little bit too long. I really liked episode two. I felt like being under an hour helped the pacing. This one used every bit of its runtime, and I think it was worth it because we, it really yes. felt like a complete story. It felt like a movie almost. Like, a, it, yeah, it felt like it was almost like a short film. Yeah, um, but it no, also I, felt like the first time. Like, like I've liked the show, but it has mm-hmm. also stayed painfully close yeah. to the original. Um, to, like to there was a, a bit of a detriment, change. perhaps at least yeah, as, as there's a, of the game, right? a small change in the last episode mm-hmm. or in, in episode two, but like not meaningfully a change. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. this is something that really heavily expanded on and showed us a part of the world we had not seen before. It spent time with characters that were, you know, almost non-existent in the original game. And it told a very different story with them that, I think that this episode's focus on a love story and two people finding a reason to continue and and living on into old age in the post-apocalypse is kind of a hope spot that I think their their decision to change Bill and Frank into this tells us a lot about what they want the core of this show to be. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too that like really impressed me is this is the probably the biggest story departure that we've taken from the game so far. But also thematically, this is the episode that has felt most like what The Last of Us means to me, and why I love this series so much. Um, because I mean, the way things play out, it's it's not going to be the same kind of like building a relationship as as it is in the game. It's just you're not going to have like the walking and talking and like kind of camaraderie stuff come up. But like this episode really took these characters, did something new with them, but also hit the core of like what this series has always felt like to me. Um, and, and, and I love that. And, like, that's the sort of thing that I love mm-hmm. to see from adaptations. I, I, um, we talked about it before. It's, sorry, go ahead. You can yeah, finish sorry. It's, it's, it's not, like, you know, sticking directly to the script, but it is clearly being made by people with a lot of love and understanding of the source material. Yeah, I, I think for me, like, what's most last of us about this is it's all, I think we talked about it in one of the other episodes, it's that contrast between, like, kind of the grimness uh and and the horrors but also like the beauty and humanity and it um i think the show's done a really good job not just like visually uh with some of the changes they've made like just the infected like the 
they've really gone to town on like that fungal design. It's it's almost art what they do with the makeup and stuff to them. Um, mm-hmm. But like bringing this in where you've got this like just beautiful relationship and love story amidst all like kind of the the death and um, you know the end of the world. It's it's like you said, Justin. That's what The Last of Us is. It's like there's one and the other, and they even mention that at the end when um, I, th- I think when Frank says to Bill, like, "I'm not gonna like tell you it's it's been it's been the the ride of my life. Like, there's been a lot of shitty days, but like there's been some great ones too, right? Um, it, it's the ups and downs, it's the good and the bad, and uh, same thing that that ambiguity, that that grayness. Like, there's no black and whites. It's just it's just people and it's just stories and um, it's finding like those little moments of joy and, and love and stuff. Um, so I, I agree. I really love it. I think my favorite part is just to kind of like uh, double back on what we were saying earlier. They took this relationship, these characters that basically had like a one note purpose in the game and they expanded on their story so much to the point where, like, you immediately get more connected and attached to them than you ever did in the game. Yeah. And um, it was such a true, authentic gay relationship that didn't feel, f- like, awkward and, and jumbled and, and forced. It was just the natural flow and progression of everything was just incredible. And the way that they were able to take that whole scene, like the whole episode was Bill and Frank and the fact that they were able to build it around Ellie and Joel and what they were doing was just Mm -hmm. fucking phenomenal storytelling all around. Like I just, I just really fucking loved it. Like I, I didn't want it to end. Um, you know, I wish I could have a whole fucking show of Bill and Frank because it mm-hmm. was just so wonderful. And I want that two hour cut. You know, um, the guy who plays Frank, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he is gay in real life. Um, and it has been in a committed relationship for some time. And he, um, I'm pretty sure the episode director is yeah, gay as well. Yeah, was gay as well. So they kind of worked together to build this episode. So it was just it was just incredible. You know, like not only are we getting gay representation on television, but we're also getting actual gay people behind the scenes uh helping create this wonderful fucking masterpiece and it just goes to show you that if you hire diverse people to write diverse scenes, it's going to fucking knock it out the park mm-hmm. most yeah. of the time. And, and also I I think the original cuz they Bill Offerman, or sorry, Nick Offerman was actually the the recast for Bill, um, because there was a there was a scheduling um, issue with the previous guy, but I think initially it was a gay actor as well that was originally playing Bill. Well, yeah. and like here's here's the thing, right? Is it is it is very good, very very good to see queer actors and a queer director involved in the story, um, but at the same time, for me. Like that's that's half of it. And the other half of it is even if everyone involved had been straight, like the way that this story was told, the way that this story mm-hmm. got to focus on the evolution and the love story, you know, of this mm-hmm. love story between two people, um, you know, featuring two masculine gay men uh, means so much I, because um... 
<clears throat> you don't, I, I remember saying around the time where, where they're like, you know, getting into bed together. And I was like, when is the last time you saw this? Mm-hmm. And not as a joke. Yeah. And that scene, that scene felt so real too. Like, yeah, Dunda, it, I was laughing it, at um, Frank sitting in the bed, kind of like <laughs> doing the, yep, I'm just waiting for a partner to get out of the shower. Cause like, that's just a part of life. Yeah. Yep. You never get to, uh-huh. it was so funny. <laughs> the only thing I was joking about was like, he wouldn't be sitting under the covers, but like, <laughs> but like, yeah, uh-huh. it, it felt very real and it felt very natural. And mm-hmm. a ton of people who have not had to be faced with the existence of gay men, except as like a, you know, a fucking like vaudeville display for their amusement, mm-hmm. got to see a, a real story about love with the messy ups and downs that it comes with in a way that was super relatable, even mm-hmm. to straight people, right. That, that helped kind of build that bridge, that gap somewhat. Um, and that's super meaningful to me. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I mean, I don't want to weigh in too much on it. Um, I I was kind of, I think me and Justin were both looking for other perspectives because uh, I thought it was a really well intro, although... Um, right, I was my, immediately like, I think I have well, to be on this my, episode. Like <laughs> My first reaction, because I, I didn't get the permission, so I'm not going to name them, but I was chatting with someone in our Discord. Um, and the week before, they had basically been like, they better not kill off Frank because uh, let's we're done with bury your gaze at this point. Um but they had, uh, you know, so I, I went back and asked them because that was my first thought. I was like, wow, this was an amazing episode. But they killed both of them this time. And I was like, you know, I, I, I was like, I don't want to say this is a victory. Like, I was curious to hear their thoughts. And, you know, what the perspective that they gave me was, um, you know, it showed character growth and tenderness. and realness. I'm basically reading verbatim from their comment. Um, you know, given the time period, they would have survived the AIDS crisis. Um, the actually with something that I missed because obviously I just don't think about it is back in 2003, gay marriage didn't exist in the U S yeah. so like why that's why they got married. I didn't, I was like, Oh, that's just a fun, why did they wait so long? But it makes sense. Um, and they got to do that. But the point is, I think why ever, it seems like most people are okay with this is they didn't get killed off like for cheap emotional value. They didn't get killed off early. They didn't get killed off. Um, like, you know, not without their own accord. Like they had control, they had agency, they got to live a full life, make their own decisions, yes. and end on their own terms. And that was 100%. their choice. Yeah. And I, I, when I read that, I was like, holy fuck, like they, they're absolutely right. I've still seen a couple people who take umbrage with like, oh, they just buried the gays again. And like, I think that's super reductive. And I get why, like, that is a thing that people, some, some queer folk are defensive about. Uh, I mean, speaking as one, obviously, but yeah, w- what we got to see was two like queer survival, like survivors live in an active cultural rebellion and survive together and thrive together mm-hmm. and experience the fullness of life together. And when it was time, it was time, but that was because of the natural passage of time. Like, in the grand scheme of things, we bury every gay. Yep. Because in the grand scheme of things, we all get buried. Mm-hmm. And this, yeah. This episode really reminded me a lot of Six Feet Under. Um, at times, I don't know if anybody else has watched that, but like that show just had a lot of really point, poignant things to say about like love, life, and death um, a lot. And like this episode got 
to the a lot of the core um, yeah. of that in in a really great way and like you know I, it, it is funny because it's like oh my god <laughs> I'm sorry, my cat just decided to jump into a bag of cans uh, <laughs> while I am recording. Excellent. Good cat. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, it, it just means... But, uh, sorry, you go ahead. I think, Justin, Justin you can finish. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, but um, yeah, it's just like, it, it's funny because like, it's like, oh yeah, but now both of them die is like, if you just heard that on paper, it would sound like it's worse, but it's like, it's so much of a happier ending. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's like, you can't say that it's not a happy ending for these characters. Like, and especially with, you know, the added context of a lot of the other characters in this world that, you know, those of us that have played the games have, Mm -hmm. um, and know some of the things that are coming. Like it was just, just a really beautiful, beautiful episode. Um, And, and the episode's choice to never show us the bodies yep. was, oh, was a beautiful choice. I I'm mean, so they, glad they did that. Game of they, Thrones they, absolutely would have done Like, it. after they, Tess's death last week, this was very, very good. This They could have gone for the shock value of seeing these two people, mm-hmm. but, they, but the, the episode's not about shock value. It is about the dignity mm-hmm. of their love and the dignity of their lives. So the fact that Joel... Did not go in and mm-hmm. and did not. Yeah, that's another thing is he could have stumbled upon it and been like, oh, and they not shown us. But Joel didn't even see. Yeah. Nobody saw. In death, they they retain all of the dignity that they had mm-hmm. in life. And to think that this started with a throwaway character in the original game who is just there to help get you a truck and provide a joke about porn magazines and then another character who's literally just a name. Yep. Like that became this. I think the the other thing I really oh it's hard. I could talk for an hour about this episode. Yeah. Um and, and it's I'm not I mean, this episode was gorgeously uh, shot and directed and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um I I don't want to diminish any stories, but the thing I loved about the I guess the relationship especially is it's not like a coming of age story, you know, not to say like all queer stories obviously are important, but I think especially unique is the fact that they're both kind of middle-aged when they find each other. And yes, just like, it's just a different dynamic again, that you don't see explored that much in media. Um, And it's so, it's just so powerful uh, the way that Bill, when when you hear him talk, like he's never even been, like he's been with a girl a long time ago and he's like probably 40 something. Like, just to yeah. be that, like, you could see it in his eyes, the loneliness and the, like, confusion and the discomfort with himself and who he is. And to see him, like, open up and find himself and embrace that. Uh, and the both of them to find it together, like, at that age and after the world has ended is just, like, it, it's such a unique relationship and a, a unique, unique lens to look at it through. Um, right. I, like, even if there's a pandemic or a world event going on, like there's still little things that happen that make life worth living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really important message, um, especially going through a pandemic ourselves and, yeah. you know, coming out of it and everything. It's just, I don't mean like coming out of it, but I mean like getting out the worst mm-hmm. of it and just 
realizing, you know, that we're all damaged from it and in some way or another and that, uh, you know, it, that good things can still happen. You know, it's just a, I think it was a very important message that even when the whole world's gone to shit, there's still people and things worth living and fighting for, um, which is kind of what uh, he said in his letter at the end mm-hmm. um, to yeah. Joel. Um, but yeah. That letter was brilliant, too, because, like, the the thing about... I was wondering about how they were going to adapt this section of the game, because there is a lot of really important character development for Joel and Ellie, but, like, it's all through exploration and gameplay in a way that won't really work on screen. Um, And they used this story and then that letter to kind of build a whole lot of that. Um. And it was, it was also funny because another parallel to the game is like, you know, Joel wrinkles up the letter and throws it to the, to the side. And that's the same thing that happens when you give Bill Frank's letter in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I didn't notice like that. These, that's a good touch. There's a couple really good touches. Like um, in the part where like the um, the Raiders come in the night when Frank went and grabbed the pistol. I'm like, oh, that looks a lot like Ellie's gun. And then that yeah. turns out to be the one that she takes, like, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the episode. Like, that was, like, amazing little detail that almost nobody would pick up on. And it doesn't really matter what pistol, you know, Ellie has. But, like, you know. It's little a good details, touch. Little details like that are really, really good. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, it was phenomenal how they managed to, tr- to change it back and, like, create that parallel immediately with Joel and Ellie. Um, without have them even having been on screen all that much in this episode, there's, right? I was gonna say there's there's so much to pick on. Um, Britt, I'm curious, everyone, but Britt maybe first. What was your favorite scene or moment in the episode? Um, I really enjoyed the strawberry scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it. I don't know why it just hit me in a way that was just. It was just. How beautiful was that, right? Like that giggle when the he bites giggle into it. When he bites it, just and then you know, not on the strawberries. Not on the strawberries <laughs> How, and just me and Martha and I literally said that exact thing aloud seconds me before too. they did. Me fucking too. I said How, the same thing. How naturalistic. Like how I right. just oh. no, no, not on the strawberries. And it was like, There's you a, know, the, Bill had a lot of you know, issues letting go and getting supplies for things that he didn't feel necessary. And Frank was kind of the one, like, if it wasn't for Frank, he wouldn't have had that moment of strawberries and just bliss. And Mm -hmm. it just, it was just a nice little touch compared to the scene we had just seen moments before where, you know, he wanted to paint and fix it up and Bill didn't think it was important. And it was just kind of like, almost a roundabout way of seeing him come to terms with like accepting that, you know, and just, you know, acknowledging Frank's hard work and. And it's like another example of uh, highlighting like the little joys in this world, because think like in, in their situation, like just imagine they haven't tasted that probably I'm assuming in, in 10 plus years, maybe 20, right? Like a long, yeah. long time. Um, and you just, you know, we take all these things, we can basically have whatever we want in the world. Um, and that's, that would be such a big moment, like, you know, in the reality that they live, get in that taste of strawberries. Yeah. 
what about you, Derek? What was your favorite moment? Um, it's it's favorite like individual moment has got to be, I think the the very first time when Bill is making dinner for Frank and Frank says, Oh, is somebody who knows to pair a rabbit with a, whichever type of wine it was. Um, and I knew immediately that's, that's Frank clocking bill. Yeah. Right. That is a, like, I'm, I'm picking up on some things. Cause the line that follows you know? is so good. He says, I know I don't look the type. Right. And he said, no, you do. Yeah. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and that's such a great moment. Uh, and, and it's a great moment because I think for me, it was the moment that assured me that they were going to go for it with this episode, mm -hmm. that they were not going to dance around things because one of, one of the reasons why this episode hits so hard for me. Um, and this is a, this is a favored topic of mine to like stand at the podium and yell about is that queer masculine people are almost not allowed to exist in media. Mm -hmm. Um, Queer, queer men and queer women kind of have different problems with media, right? Queer women are, are because they can be fetishized by the straight male audience, like bi women and lesbians get to be everywhere. And it's because straight men find them hot. And that's it. And that sucks. It sucks to be objectified and fetishized and to be allowed your place only because of that. Conversely, gay men, and especially masculine men, not little twinks, don't get to exist at all because the very presence of folks like me experiencing romance with other folks who look like me invokes visceral disgust in a large portion of the straight male audience. So there is a knowledge that we don't get to exist because our very existence is seen as filthy. And I'm guessing it's because it's easier for them to accept it when they feel like the person on screen does not look and act similar to them. I think but that's part of it. I think that is a big part of it. And I think that's why like very campy, you know, um, types get to be accepted and also because so often the campy types you know the the more feminine the more uh you know that that style of of gay presentation is so often played for comedy mm -hmm. and that's like not much better so it meant so much for me that like that, that, that got to be a thing. Like I was definitely, that was making me tear up so much. What about you, Justin? So favorite, favorite scene, favorite moment. I mean, yeah, like I, part of that same scene is when they're the pl playing the piano. Um, and like Frank, Frank is like, Oh, you know, who's the girl you're singing this to or something. And, and Bill's just like, yeah, there is no girl. And Frank's just like, I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And like, 
I mean, in like show, like showing the kiss and stuff. You know, you know, they really focus on you know them, you know, kissing and being in a relationship and stuff. It's like I don't know, like even as somebody who has you know consumed a lot of like queer media, like I haven't seen you know, like two like fully like bearded men mm-hmm. like make out like that in something in a really long time and in like, something that's not erotica you know yeah, which you are less likely like, to come across so <laughs> yeah it, it, like in something that is you know obviously a huge success so like you know i'm really glad that they didn't dance around it because i mean apparently like i mean, I mean even though like you know they were a couple and stuff in the games apparently a lot of people didn't even pick up on it yeah it's um, easy not which to. is silly like um but this episode I mean, is an act fu- of defiance yeah i mean this episode i mean there was f- one line i lost my mind laughing at is when when they first meet and um bill's just like you know this isn't there's no free meals here this isn't an arby's frank's just like there's no free <laughs> meals was, at arby's that it's a was restaurant. such That's a, a good line. interaction <laughs> um no i god i could gush about this episode for a long time and like just one other thing I want to mention too is like when the the scene when the Raiders attacked, like it was short and everything, but like the way they handled like the sound of gunfire and screams and stuff was also like I'm like, oh, this is a fight from Last of Us. Like, yeah, yeah. The audio um, in the show has been as good as it is um, in the game, and it, it's such an important part of the experience. Everything from the music to the you know the, the clickers, um, and, and like you said, just the it just adds that authenticity to every single scene yeah um but yeah no i i seriously could gush about this episode for a long time there's lines of it that just keep sticking in my head um even a couple days later um Uh, and you know it i'm also i've just always been weird like this like it's hard for me to relate to a lot of like romance stories in fiction and so a lot of times those kind of things fall flat for me yeah um this episode got me good. Like I was, I was tearing up. Um, it, it was just, I, it was just a beautiful episode. And like, I don't see very many things that like show romance kind of in the way that I experience it as well. Um, it's always, you know, very, you know, you know, the, the ver- you know, everybody knows like they're out at the bar, they get drunk, they go back to the apartment, the yeah. clothes go flying off. We love to have yeah. the spicy parts of a relationship and we love to have the big, like burning, passionate, even if not sexual, like we love those moments. And we don't yeah. love to show the little moments, the quiet moments and all of the in between that makes up everyday life. And I think that's kind of the most beautiful part of it. Mm-hmm. And and, th- and this really focused on that. Yes. Um, like even their like you know big last day was still you know just a nice day <laughs> you know around town kind of thing um yeah i don't know it ju- it just really connected with me and like i had been hearing people hyping up this episode for a while ever since the reviews dropped um and even beforehand you know i, I was intrigued cuz i knew they were going to be expanding bill and frank a lot um and i was really interested to see what shape that took and they they took it in probably the best direction they could have. I, I was, I was floored with this episode. I think it's going to be a tall order for them to top it this season. Even, even with some of the stuff I know is coming. Uh, the last thing I'll say um, before giving the floor to you guys, if, if you want to wrap anything up, uh, it's just, again, the performances in this episode um, for Bill and Frank, like just 
you know, I don't watch as many movies as I used to, but I, wa- I watch a lot of media. Um, I know what good acting looks like. Uh, this is this is as good as you'll find in anything. Um, I I just can't. I need to watch it again. I can't get every single scene. It's every moment. There's not a weak piece of delivery. Um, it's just, it's a hundred percent commitment to the role and to the script and, and to the situation and that relationship. And uh, even when they're not talking, the thing, what they're doing with their eyes, their facial expressions, the body language, it's, I, I've just, I'm just absolutely floored. Um, what a, what a performance from both of them. Yeah. Oh man. Holy hell all i got holy hell indeed well uh unfortunately wrapping up i think we liked this one yeah Uh, (laughs) unfortunately Britt had to had to drop due to life commitments but that's fine Uh, we appreciate her being on and of course uh justin and derek appreciate you guys joining as well yeah i allowed this episode to happen (laughs) thank you thank you for your service (laughs) uh that's all we got for this week we'll be back again with episode four next week and of course, you can catch our main podcast every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern over on Twitch. Until then, kindness costs nothing. Have a great week, everyone.